Just two days after seven Labour MPs quit their party, one more has quit this morning, along with three Conservative MPs. So we're going to have another chat. So here we go again. Two days after the, uh, the Labour split, there's now been a Conservative split. Nick, do you have the names? Yeah, so, well, okay, let's be clear. The, the first person to resign this morning wasn't a Conservative Party member. It was uh, the eighth Labour Party member. Well, she was before, was she? She was first. Right. She was, uh, this is Joan Ryan. No, I've never heard of her either. Uh, but clearly, and th this was bound to happen. Uh, some people just want cover. They just don't want to be the first. This is how a lot of these things start, isn't it? Is that they're, they're not bold enough to do it themselves. But, and let's face it, some people are followers, not leaders, and that's fine. Uh, so she decided to do it now two days after. <laughs> Who knows, maybe the fact that Derek Hatton was readmitted to the Labour Party basically on the same day as the seven quit might have had something to do with it. Who knows? Well, he's been, he's been, uh, he's been ousted again because of, he sent an anti-Semitic tweet in 2012. Uh, so obviously so he lasted two days. He lasted two days. They obviously never did any kind of due diligence on him. That's um, terrible, and they've they've asked him again. Okay. Two days. But okay. Anyway, yeah. Back to the back to the Conservative so MPs. So Joan Ryan and then three Conservative MPs uh, have decided to quit the party. As Conservative. I hope, I'm hoping our listener can infer the air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Members of the Conservative Party, uh, and the three are Heidi Allen, Anna Soubry, and Sarah Wollaston. And again. For people who don't really follow politics, they might have heard a couple of those names, but maybe not. Certainly, Anna Subri likes to get herself in the news. She's the equivalent of Chuka Ramuna from the Labour Party, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of being a pretty radical Remainer and lover of the limelight. Um, and Sarah Wollaston has, again, has been. Nan on, Nanny Wollaston. Nanny, <laughs> Dr. Nanny Wollaston. Uh, she likes to talk about how, you know, basically doesn't really accept the uh, the result of the referendum. Well, she's got a history of being authoritarian as well. Um, yeah. So, right, so what we've got now, so this is important. What they have, they've all, they've all resigned and they've all said that they are joining this group, which is the independent group, which still isn't a political party. Still not a political yet. party. Chuka Ramuna has said he hopes that there'll be a political party more you know, by the end of the year. Why, why not now? You know, there's, there's, there's important questions to ask there, but they're quite happy just being a political grouping. Let's be clear, they've now uh, eclipsed the Liberal Democrat uh, party. Well, poor not poor party. old Vince Cable, he's been touting the Lib Dems as a pro-Remain centrist party for over two years now. Yes. And nothing. And then in a single day, they, uh, the independent group reached 8%, I believe, on Monday night. And last night they reached, I think, 10% in the polls. I, it's climbing. And yeah. that was before the uh, you know the four today have joined. Yes, it'll be um, interesting to see what the polls say uh, tomorrow because there undoubtedly will be further polling from today that we'll find out tomorrow. Um, so they announced the uh, Labour MP announced this morning uh, the the three Conservatives timed their announcement very specifically today to be just before Prime Minister's questions, and obviously that was politically motivated. They wanted to do as much damage as they could. To Theresa May personally, because she's the one who's got to stand up there at the dispatch box. Had it just been, and this, this is an important point, 
Had it just been that Labour MPs had quit at this point, in fact, had it just been seven, then another, so you can show some kind of, uh, to use the phrase, momentum, then you can, you know, sorry, Theresa May could have stood up there and said, look at your party, it's splitting, look what's happening. As soon as the other three quit, obviously she can do that. What I find interesting, because I hardly ever watch PMQs, but I, I was in between meetings and I thought, oh, do you know what? I'll stick, I'll stick this on because they've just, they've just quit. Someone, someone sent me a message in the middle of a meeting saying the three have just quit. I was like, right, okay. So watched PMQs pretty much from beginning to end. And obviously, neither Theresa May nor Jeremy Corbyn mentioned it at all. How could they? Neither of them can bring it up. If one of them brings up that the other's got a split, the other one's going to bring up that they've got a split. So there was this proper... Um, Elephant in the room, it sounds there, like. There, there was, and there was this strange uh, detente between them. Don't mention the war. <laughs> Whereby, in fact, all they talked about was Brexit. And in fact, the questions were just repeats. It was essentially Labour MPs and Jeremy Corbyn. And, I mean, the, the Lib Dem guy, I don't know his name, who stood up and asked his question. What a complete waste of a question. After at least six questions have been asked, which is, will you rule out no deal? And after at least six replies from Theresa May, giving the same answer, which is, well, you know the way to rule out no deal. And I have said this just now, but I'll repeat it again. The way to rule out no deal is to vote for the deal or to vote for no Brexit. So, you know, that's up to you. But to, to just waste the questions on asking the same thing, I thought, was, uh, I thought was a bit stupid. But there were little hints from some questioners over, you know, they'd use the word split or something or, or something that might, might make you think, oh, they're going to have to deal with it. No one dealt with it. No one actually was bold enough to deal with it. And I thought, actually, that it would be the SNP leader in the House of Commons um, that, would, that would bring it up. He talked about Westminster politics being broken. And that's as far as he went. So should we quickly get back to the numbers? Yes. Um, so what does this mean for parliamentary arithmetic? So Theresa May, had, she, she led the, Her Majesty's government, <coughs> which had a majority of 15 people this was prior to anybody leaving and that's based on the confidence of supply agreement with the DUP remember correct, so, correct. It, so it was, the Conservative Party was the largest party there's still not enough for an overall majority so they, they get with the DUP exactly um, so now uh, because there are 11 non-voting non members so you've, got, you've obviously got Sinn Féin who never turned yep. up at all four speakers there's one vacant seat and I'd forgotten about this but there's obviously Fiona Onasanya. Um, oh, our neighbouring MP. Who's in jail, so she can't vote. Um, yes. So because of that, <coughs> Theresa May still has a majority, but it's fallen to nine. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, Let's it's, face it, nine fifteen. Still what's the, thin. what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not really much difference. Um, I think what is important, certainly to your eye, is that this is unlike, unlikely to affect the Brexit vote, because none of, none of this lot were going to vote with Theresa May's deal anyway. Um, and... I would argue that all of them want to undo Brexit, delay Brexit, water it down, soften it as much as they possibly can. So again, that hasn't changed no matter what party they're in. In fact, I think it's been shown, certainly it's been shown from the, from the Tories that have left, uh, that they're quite willing to vote against their party. I don't know the specific records 
uh, of the Labour MPs. They were certainly vocal against their party leadership, but I don't know how often they voted against the whip under Jeremy Corbyn. But certainly the Anna Soubrys of this world voted against the party whip. Although when we're just talking about parliamentary records, uh, I've done a tiny bit of research, and all three of the Conservative MPs who've resigned voted for Article 50. So this That's idea, important. this idea that we, you know, we don't, we're not going to hold by-elections because we haven't changed our tunes and we're still the same people. Actually, not you all voted for Article 50. I think that's important, and I think it's also important to bring up uh, someone who, uh, for a very long time, was one of my favourite MPs, which is good old Ken Clark. Now, Ken Clark is you—you you might argue a radical Remainer. This is someone who absolutely believes and always has, and it's no secret. Uh, that thinks that we'd be better off inside the European Union. Well, we'd, we'd, he thinks that, that Britain would be better off inside the EU and that ordinary people shouldn't be allowed to make decisions. He's, he's, he's completely against referenda. Absolutely. But again, I knew that policy position from him at least five years before the oh, EU yeah, referendum. Been, so he is, he's been clear and he's been consistent. Exactly. And this is important. I don't sense the same... Or in fact, any hypocrisy from Ken Clark. What else did Ken Clark not vote for? The triggering of Article 50. What else did Ken Clark not vote for? The referendum bill. So you can't take any of this stuff. You can't. You can't say say about Ken Clark. Ah, oh, well, you're quite happy to have this opinion now, but it's inconsistent with the position you've taken before. Whereas all the others, you can you can say they have very very cynical views about when they voted on those subjects because well, so they hope to overturn them. Even as recently as 2017, so Sarah Wollaston told her constituencies that um, she acknowledged that her constituency voted Leave, or 54% of Are her Are you talking about the 2017 general election yeah, campaign? 20, 2017 general election campaign. Sarah <coughs> Wollaston admitted that her constituents voted to Leave by 54%, and I promised to respect the outcome, were her words. Right. Right. Anna Subri said, we will continue to honour the EU referendum results, um, and Alan said, I was a Remainer, but the EU referendum result is final and cannot be rerun. Cannot be rerun. <laughs> so that's, that's not so all, all three of them for the, you know, to, to, to get elected in 2017 uh, were, were fine with leaving the EU. Yes, and all three voted for Article 50. So the idea that they haven't changed and there's no need for, for by-elections is, is rubbish. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's a question. Do you think that any other Labour MPs will now join because some Tories have? Now that's an interesting one because Tories are still seem to be <coughs> quite toxic uh, with the majority of, of Labour Labour MPs, certainly Labour members, quite and a toxic. lot of Labour voters as well. But not to people like Chigurh. He's an opportunist, isn't he? Um, and I think the the the, the very centrist ones. You know, the, the, the Blairites um, have got more chance of joining. Um, but only, only if they're pro-Remain. This is a pro-Remain ah. party. But the the only thing... Not group, really, sorry, not party, sorry, not group. The only thing that unites them all is the fact that they all want to frustrate Brexit. They all want to stay in the EU. That, that's it. They can call themselves centrist and they, yeah, they all basically are on this and that. But the only thing they actually agree on is Brexit. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that they are not going to be able to agree on any single policy position other than they want to remain. Well, that's probably why they're not 
really a party yet because they, they'd have to put at least some kind of a manifesto, you know, and, yes. and, and, and what they believe. Yeah. And they're not going to agree on anything yet. It's going to take ages. What I think is interesting, and again, this is borne out in Prime Minister's questions. So while Prime Minister's questions didn't address the fact that both parties had split, because that, you know, that is what's happened, even though the Labour Party split more, um, what was mentioned uh, by Theresa May, by others, was the problem with anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. And part of that was because there was a debate in the House of Commons scheduled for the afternoon, and I didn't see any of that, on anti-Semitism. And it, it, it's interesting for me because I think you can say that what unites all of these people now uh, is their Brexit stance. But you've also got the, the, the group specifically in, uh, that came from Labour that did it because of Labour anti-Semitism. I mean, they piled it on, the reasons. You know, they also talked about the general the way the leadership was going and, you know, hard left policies and all that kind of stuff. But anti-Semitism was a big driver. The Conservative MPs didn't have that. And that's important to note just in general terms anyway. Well, so I, I, think, I think the Labour MPs could have got away with going on about anti-Semitism. And, you know, obviously it's a massive, massive issue for Labour. <coughs> but the fact that these three Tory MPs have, have since joined kind of lessens that a little bit. and indicates, It it. Yeah, and indicates that it's also a lot about Brexit. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it blunts that argument uh, quite specifically. Uh, but like you, I think that uh, uh, as far as most Labour MPs are concerned, Tories are toxic. Uh, I also think that even the so-called moderates, the Blairites, uh, you know, have whatever you want to call them, um, albeit they probably do share quite a lot in common with the people that are if you want to put it to the left of the Conservative Party, which you could include the Sarah Wollastons and the Anna Subaris of this one in there, um, that they might be smart enough to know that if they ever are associated with them and it doesn't turn into something real and substantial, that forever they'll just be called Tories. And that's what, generally speaking, the left does. Uh, it, they, they'll call... I'll call Tony Blair a Tory in order to uh, you know, paint him as being bad. That's just what they do. And so the moment they associate with others. So I, I think that, that had they not waited, I think more Labour MPs could have done it first. I think if they, again, if they had any kind of political nous to it, if they wanted to make sure this grouping got even bigger, they'd have waited for more Labour MPs to do it before quitting themselves. Interestingly, I've just looked at the latest poll. Now, this is still from last night, so this is before... The, the this, is, this, this is Tuesday night. This is Tuesday night. And we're talking on Wednesday. Yeah, so they're, they're, we'll have a look in a moment. There, there yeah. may have been another one out. But last night, they were actually polling at 14%. 14%? Twice the Lib Dems. Lib Dems down to 7 Right. So does that show that they were taking mainly their vote share from the Lib Dems? I don't think so. How so far down were Labour on that, do you know? So... It's saying here, so this is voting intention for each party in the next general election. Now, this yeah. is quite shocking, actually. So this is Conservatives at 38%. So they're taking a hit. But a small but one. But a small hit. Labour, 26%. 26? That's a huge drop. Uh, and then 
independent group, 14%, you know, if it formed a party, Lib Dem 7, and then, yeah, the, the rest of it. Now, it's important to note, because of our parliamentary system, that even if those MPs uh, were to get... Right, let's be clear. If they fielded candidates in every single constituency and got 14%, then they'd still be lucky to get the number of MPs they have now. But this is because of first past the post. And they'd be better off not fielding any other candidates other than the ones they have for getting the national vote share, which is what this is. It's not the same as saying, where would you win? Um, what they haven't done, I imagine, in this poll is targeted their constituencies. Exactly. That would be really, them. really interesting. Because this is where polls get this wrong. I mean, obviously, everyone knows polls get things wrong uh, because the polling has been consistently wrong over at least the last three major elections. Uh, this is a classic example. You, you, there are no candidates other than the ones that are there, and they haven't even said they're running under a party banner. So this is a national vote share for people that they've only just heard of, and they're not even running a party. But it's still bad news for the Dems. I learnt a new word today. Go on. Groupuscule. Ah, I saw so I saw someone mention this on Twitter and I thought I need to look that up, but I never did. So what, I, what does it mean? I read it in an article today. I immediately, I mean, I was on my phone, so I highlighted it, did a web search. The, the Google dictionary definition that appears at the top is a political or religious splinter group. So I thought, okay. Appropriate. Good, good definition. Interesting. I mean, that's all I did, and I carried on reading, thinking, good word for what's happened with the, uh, the independent group. Uh, interestingly, if you scroll down, this is just on a Google search or other web searches. So would, would the... Would would the ERG qualify as a group of skill? Interesting. You mentioned this. <laughs> I was about to come to that. Okay. Thank you for short-circuiting <laughs> my point. Sorry. So the next definition is Merriam-Webster, which is a small group of political activists. Then the Wiktionary definition is a small political group, especially of an extremist faction. Then Collins Dictionary a small group within a political party or movement. So, that so by is, that definition, the that ERG, ERG could be described described as a groupuscule. I still can't say it. Groupuscule. Groupuscule. Let's just let... Groupuscule. Th that's apparently how we should okay. pronounce it. Okay. Uh, so I thought that was a great word. It, it, it does define the independent group, but it could also define this so-called party within a party which we'll come to, I think, in a minute when we talk about the reasons the Tories have, uh, have said they're leaving. Before we talk about that, something you mentioned to me earlier, which I hadn't thought of, Frank Field. So he, he resigned from... He's, he hasn't resigned from the Labour Party, has he? I think he's resigned the whip. Is that right? Yes, I believe so. So he hasn't torn up his membership card, uh, but he has resigned the whip. So as far as he's, he, he is an MP, he's kind of independent. Uh, and it was a distinction he wanted to make because he believes in the Labour Party. Um, but I think it's important to note that he hasn't joined this independent group. And so far it doesn't appear like he's been asked to either. So why would that be then? Maybe that's because he's a Brexiteer. One of the only Labour Brexiteers. There are, there are, in terms of MPs, again this is not talking about whether 
a majority of constituencies voted to leave that are Labour constituencies. He's not talking about how many Labour voters did. But as an MP, he's in, you know, the Brexiteers are in short supply. This is just another, uh, more proof that this is a group of Remainers, more than anything else. And well, the fact that they haven't even asked him or haven't even entertained the idea of, of you know, of, from what I can see, of Brexiteers. You know, they haven't even said, you know, we are, we are all pro-Remain, but we are, you know, we're a broad church, uh, you know, politics is broken. If you're a Brexiteer, you're still welcome among us. They haven't said anything. They haven't that said that. And had they been clever about, again, all of it, uh, and wanted to make this larger than Brexit, then they would have made sure there was a Brexiteer in their midst. And they even a reluctant one. Yeah, a reluctant Brexiteer or a soft Brexiteer or... Yes, someone who at least had um, had, had voted for the deal, maybe, or... or Someone who maybe voted Remain but still wanted to, you know, to to enact the referendum. Ever since then had had made the white noises, exactly. So the sorts of people that the three Conservative MPs said that they were before the 2017 election... So yes. they all said we need to, re- you know, we we need to recognise that the country has voted for Brexit. We need to respect the result, and you can count on me to enact Brexit. That's basically what they all said. Yeah. Whereas now, none of that, none of that at all. I I don't think Frank Field's going to join them, and I think that's because he's got uh, some principles over Brexit, and that's why he won't do it. Uh, and he's made his stand, and he, you know, in fact, he's I think he's facing deselection, uh, or a deselection attempts. Um, by, his momentum, party, it, think, yeah, uh, by his local that. party, yeah, by his local party. But uh, as far as I'm aware, he's a you know he's a popular MP. He's a, he's actually one of these MPs that is respected uh, across on both sides, exactly across the house. Um, and so he, when when he says something, people do um, people do sit up and take notice. Um, it's worth you know if we're if we're just talking about uh, MPs that might uh, that might leave and, and join. The, the the TIG TIG or whatever we're going to call them Tiggers Tiggers um, so uh, Dominic Grieve is often associated with Sarah Wollaston and Anna Subri uh, very vocal in the media about uh, saying he doesn't want to frustrate Brexit while doing everything he can to frustrate well, if you look at Brexit. his actions he's doing everything it, possible exactly. to, to, to remain do you think he will do the same I don't know because he's so he's a he's a bigger name within the Conservative Party. He's held um, much he's senior, held more senior positions. He's held a few senior positions, including Attorney General. Exactly, and I don't think he would want to risk getting deselected at the next whenever the next election is. I don't think he would want to get risk risk getting deselected. So I think he knows that he's got it good in the Conservative Party. So I, I don't I don't think he will. I don't think he will join. Nick Bowles. Ah. Yes. Possibly. Grantham and Stanford. Yeah, possibly. Um, another reasonably local MP to us. Yeah. Um, another one that actually, if you look back at what he said, uh, said, tweeted, campaigned on, whatever, it's just he's, he's just a hypocrite. I, ha- I, hate, I hate saying that, but you can find massive inconsistencies with what he said. And yes, okay, you can find massive inconsistencies with a lot of parliamentarians, a lot of politicians... Um, but these are really blatant, obvious ones. I think the ratio with, with people like Grieve and Bowles is much higher. Yeah, exactly. They don't hide I, it very well. I think you're right. I think uh, there's a greater chance of Bowles um, quitting. But I still probably think he won't. I'm happy to be proved wrong. I really don't think Dominic Grieve will. Again, he might surprise me. Uh, but I think he's. I actually think he's smarter than that. 
and I think he's looking past all of this to still a future in the Conservative Party. I, I think of all the people, I think he'd quite like to be Lord Grieve or something like that. And he wants to be a Tory grandee in his old age. Um, maybe that's the cynic in me, but I think I think he's playing a bit more of the long game. And I actually think he's, he's in general a better politician. Um, so I think that's why he probably won't. Can we just go back to so something you said earlier actually reminded me of something. So you, we were talking about Frank Field and how he's possibly facing deselection yes. because the people in Momentum, uh, yeah, and he's not, he's not the only one. Yeah, there are lots of politicians who yeah, don't yeah. like, so yeah. they're trying to deselect them all. Um, interestingly, Momentum have been, so they've been praised by the media about having a good social media presence, about they're good, they're good at getting their message out. Well, I mean, they did kind of come out, come from nowhere. They, they created this uh, movement, this following, whatever. And so absolutely, they're, they're, they're always talked about as, as being a very successful campaign group. But if you, if you want to talk about coming out of nowhere, so the independent group's Twitter account, in just two days, have eclipsed people's momentum. Oh, so in terms of the number of followers? In terms of the number of followers, so they're, they're oh, wow. both, uh, I checked a couple of hours ago, right? and a couple, at a couple of hours ago, they were both over 120,000. Um, but, you know, there, there, were, there, there was about 1,000 in it. But TRG had already eclipsed them. TRG had already eclipsed them by 1,000 in just two in days. just a couple of days. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, that's... That's similar to what uh, something you said to me again a few days ago about the the new Brexit party, which let's be clear is a political, a registered political party. Okay, doesn't have any MPs. Um, just got you know the likes of Nigel Farage at the moment saying this is what we're about and we're sorting it out. And they're obviously beavering away, one imagines behind the scenes, ready to fight uh, either Euro elections if um, Article Fifty is extended, a general election if it's called. Um, with actual policies or you know policy <laughs> that's, that's maybe all they need but you said to me that within nine days or something they'd had um, you know a hundred thousand people uh, you know pledge their support over nine days yeah and so this is more than twitter followers this is actually people who've, who've you know who've registered to support them which is almost the same number who've of... registered to support them so this is people who've you know, gone on their website or whatever and said yeah, I don't yeah. think I paid any money. It's not like no. a Labour registered supporter. Um, no, but, but still, that's huge. It is huge because it's almost the same number of uh, people that are members of the Conservative Party. And obviously you have to pay money to join the Conservative Party, so it's not, it's not comparing like for like. Yeah. But it's still quite an interesting statistic, I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so I want to talk again about uh, the reasons why the uh, Conservative MPs, former Conservative MPs, as they are now, um, have uh, left the party. So they, as I said earlier, they decided to um, to time this quite specifically for PMQs for maximum damage, albeit I think, A, I think it looks a bit petty, uh, whereas uh, the other guys just did it on a Monday morning. They didn't try and sabotage a parliamentary set piece uh, or something specific their party leader was about to do. So I think it looks petty. I think most people see that. Also, it didn't really do any real damage. It just stopped. If anything, it well, stopped. It sto so it stopped Theresa May having the high ground. It stopped her causing damage more to the um, the Labour Party and to yes, absolutely, and to Jeremy Corbyn. So it it blunted that attack. It nullified that attack. 
Um, so I, again, I don't really know why. Bearing in mind that the people they were joining were making very loud noises about how they really didn't like the Labour leadership and all the anti-Semitism, they could have let it happen. They could have done it tomorrow or the next day or in a week's time and let there be more attacks on the Labour leadership and the anti-Semitism. So I, I think we can see this hasn't been particularly well coordinated because you and I aren't political geniuses and we've sat and worked out what would have been politically a better thing to do. And it hasn't taken particularly long to do that. Uh, so I, th I think that's interesting. Um, they, they wrote a joint letter and they sent it to Theresa May. Uh, it says a number of, in my view, kind of quite daft things. <laughs> um, so I've made a few notes on it. Um, they talk about uh, purple momentum. Now, momentum is the organisation, uh, well, it's a proper company or charity or you know, whatever, that uh, were founded in order to get Jeremy Corbyn to be leader of the Labour Party. They're still, they're still there. They're pulling a lot of strings behind the scenes. Um, they're, they're the reason why uh, people like Derek Hatton have come back into the Labour Party again um, after so many years of being kind of outcast. It, the Anna the, the Subarys and Sarah Willisons of this world like to talk like there's an equivalent behind the scenes of the Conservative Party. And they like calling it purple, purple being the colour of UKIP. And my understanding is it's just nonsense. And what they want, they, what they want to try and spin is that somehow UKIP have taken over the Conservative Party. Um, and they like to say that the ERG group, ERG group, the ERG, have, have done that, this so-called, and I think again they use this phrase, they're party within a party, group your school, if you will, um, that, that that's the reason that they're doing this. So, okay, what they're saying there is they're doing it because of Brexit. Uh, so again, they're kind of laying out their cards that this is all about Remain. Um, but this, this blue kip, this purple momentum... Well, actually, I, I don't really like the way that they describe the ERG as a party within a party as well. Because if you, if you look at their members, the only thing, again, the only thing that they really agree on is Brexit. Is the um, Conservative Party manifesto exactly, and they're just a well-organised group of, of of individuals. You know, there are you could say that the Remainers <coughs> in the Conservative Party are a party within a party, except they're just they're just disorganised. Yes, and so the ERG in itself is quite a broad church, but they are focused on on Brexit, understandably, yeah. and well, you know, and respecting the re referendum result. Exactly, and these defectors aren't. So I I, I think that's nonsense. Um, Interestingly, I, there's there's another there's another side of this, which is that the uh, the Labour MPs, sorry, former Labour MPs such as Chupramuna, the the Anna Subri uh, MPs of um, of the Conservative Party, they like to talk about themselves as being on the centre ground. Now we've talked about this before about the centre ground seemingly being this safe place. Uh, in politics because you're not on the extremes and all this kind of thing. And and albeit, um, I, I think it's really funny if people like that try to, certainly try to paint the Conservative Party as somehow having been hijacked by the, in quotes, far right. And that's, again, that's kind of what they're saying in the letter, um, reasonably explicitly. 
yeah, I, I find a great flaw with this. There's a couple of phrases I've written down here which I want to talk about. One is, if the centre ground, which I think is what they're saying, if the centre ground is where the majority of the country is, and I'm sure you've heard this phrase, that, that you know elections are won or lost on the centre ground. All of that. Yeah, they always talk about the Overton window and where that is and how yeah. it moves from left to right over the years. Exactly. And it moved to the right with Thatcher, moved to the left with Tony Blair. And but essentially what they did was they you know, they won over the centre ground in order to win. Yeah, the, the kind of the floating voters. Yes, the floating voters. The people that have voted in the past for one and then the other major party with either way around. So if the centre ground is where the majority of the country is, does that mean that the, that the centre ground is leave because a majority of the country voted leave. Well, it should be, and not just any majority, the greatest majority that, that Britain has that ever they seen. Have ever, yes, that's you know, important. More, more people have voted for that than anything else ever. Anything else ever. Let's just underline that. How does it normally work in terms of the percentages of someone that wins, in quotes, the general election? Well, so you can, you can win, a, a, so Labour, because of the constituency boundaries, Labour can win an overall majority with 35% of the vote. 35%. 35% just vote. over a third. And they can limp across the line uh, with 35% of the vote. This was 52% of the vote. Yes. And and not just in percentage terms, actual numbers as well. You know, 17.4 <coughs> million people have never voted for the same thing ever. Yeah. So the, the contradiction to that, albeit... Uh, I, I suppose you, you could make this fit, and I'll come on to that. So they go on about the uh, the ERG being far right. There are far right influences that have, you know taken over the party within a party, all of this kind of stuff. So does that mean that what they actually think is that if, if, if they think that levers are the far right, that means they think that the majority of the country are far right in quotes what you know whatever that means so does that mean that the Everton window has moved so much that the center is now far right where it do you just, start it doesn't make any sense where do you start other than about the only consistency i can find with it is that um they think that levers are the far right and that they represent the center ground which is remain but if you were to accept that you're still accepting that the majority of the country is far right. And what about all the Labour voters that voted for Brexit? Well, so let's come for, on to for, that. For a, number of, for a number of reasons. Well, shall we come on to uh, Adam Bolton's tweet then? Oh, if you're, you're, far, what was it, you're far right if you're a Tory and voted for Brexit or words to that effect? Yes. And so this is a um, uh, guy who's been on Sky, journalist who's been on Sky for, for donkey's years. Pretty much since we were kids, Adam Bolton's been there, hasn't he? Uh, in some way, shape or form. Uh, and yeah, I don't have the exact uh, tweet, but he was clarifying. He he clarified it about saying, well, but if you're a Tory, then you are. If you're a Tory and you're a Brexiteer, then you're far right. But if you're a Brexiteer and you're not Tory, then you're not far right. How does that work? So, so what? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. So you've got people... So people, even even within Labour, people voted Leave for a number of reasons. You've got the people who just didn't like the authoritarianism of the EU, the, yeah, who don't like getting bossed around, who want national sovereignty. And that's that, this is different from their kind of their policy decisions. They just want to make whatever those decisions are closer to home. So you've got these leaders. You've got the extreme far left, uh, you know, Brexiteers. People like Jeremy Corbyn, who yes. up until the referendum was a massive Brexiteer. Well, no, no, no. He still is. Let's be clear. Yeah, behind what he wants is he wants 
He wants Brexit to happen, but he wants the Conservative fingerprints all over it. Yeah, he doesn't want it to be his fault, but he wants to nationalise everything. Um, and you can't do that under EU rules. So lots of these far-left politicians... And, 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 do it because know, they want more power. Exactly, they want more power. Um, so there, there are a number of reasons, even within Labour, uh, why people would vote Brexit. Um, so, so do you think Adam Bolton's right? I think he's an idiot. <laughs> what do you think he was trying to say? Um, I, In I, a very, very poor way. I think he was, he was trying to say that, that the only reason that Tory members voted for Brexit was because of probably reading between the lines immigration uh, and these kind of things that's what you tend to associate with the far right you know, well that's what the media did. tend to associate with the far right but that's what he is yes so I think he was just it was just like a, a dog whistle racism if, if I had to if I had to guess okay okay so one other point uh, that I don't think we've covered and it's just bringing it back to um, Derek Hatton you mentioned that after a mere two days oh yeah he'd, so he'd been he'd been out for thirty odd years, he'd yeah. been this kind of this old left wing agitator from the from the eighties. This um, is a guy who was a member of militant tendency. Uh, he was was he? I think he was actually the, he was leader, the leader for a while of Liverpool yeah. Council. Um, and well, look, anyone can go and Google Derek Hatton and, and find out more about him. But it's very much. I mean, even I remember um, as a, as a kid. And okay, I think I think we were kind of exposed to a bit more political stuff than, than most people um, as kids. But to me, the 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 people on the left that were the most prominent were up, other than um, uh, other than the leaders of the Labour Party through the eighties were Arthur Scargill and Derek Hatton. These are the two people that I remember for what they did. So I, I remember them. I remember them being on the news, but they're, they're also so. I mean, I, I remember them being on so. Maybe not those two, but you know, I remember being exposed to politics in things like Spitting Image, even things like I remember the two Ronnies had like an Arthur Scargill gag that I found was really funny. Something about him having three shredded wheat for, for breakfast every, every morning, two in his bowl and one in his head. And when, I, when I was a little kid, I thought that was hilarious. Um, this is an interesting point. I, I said this to people today. Um, we, you and I, uh, were exposed to political satire. From an unbelievably young age. Very, very early age. Uh, I remember watching Spitting Image as a child and finding it hilarious. Um, and then co- continued to up until it, it got it got canned. Um, and, and let alone yeah, how I got used to you and all this kind of stuff as well. But certainly Spitting Image, I have vivid memories of, of sketches from Spitting Image. And I think it has had an effect on, on the way I view this stuff. Um, I, you know, I remember the... Yeah, the, the, the Labour Party Mickey takes uh, where um, Neil Kinnock's going around I can't believe you're wearing a red rose on your lapel trying to, trying to get everyone to stop associating themselves with the Labour Party because he's just embarrassed by it and, and Roy Hattersley and do you remember him he was spitting everywhere and, yeah exactly exactly um, and th- this just shows that we've come full circle again I, mean, I, I, I find it fascinating but the point I wanted to actually make about Derek Hatton uh, and I must admit, I didn't know he'd been suspended until right before we started this recording. Uh, and what I wanted to say, I didn't, I didn't see um, the anti-Semitism discussion this afternoon, but I know that uh, the constant gardener um, in the House of Commons at, on the front bench uh, this afternoon was, um, was, was furious about Derek Hatton rejoining the Labour Party. So th- this, is, this is a guy who... Is a shadow whatever secretary, business secretary, is he maybe shadow something, 
and he stood up at the dispatch box and criticised the Labour Party for readmitting Derek Hatton and put in and said he had put in a formal complaint to the head of the NEC. Well, I... Now, within a couple of hours, he's been suspended, so I don't know how much that was related to it. But I find that, fa- again, this is someone breaking ranks in the shadow cabinet and very forcefully saying, I don't think that should happen. So we talked a little bit last time about Tom Watson. Um, so yes. I saw a tweet from him earlier on where somebody tweeted him and said, listen, Tom, how can this happen? How can you let Degsy back into the, into the Labour Party? And he replied saying, well, the first I heard of it was reading the mirror this morning. So he had no idea. The deputy, the deputy leader, leader of the, of Labour, the Party, Labour Party. No idea whatsoever. That's shocking. It's such a shambles. And then, you know, within two days, he's out again. So can we draw from this that it's just all a shambles? I think so. I think so. Let's, let's bring this back to the TIG, which is now, what, 11, uh, 11 MPs. Uh, so do you think they'll split? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, splitters within splitters. Um, I think... <laughs> So at the moment, I think while Brexit is still the number one issue for the country, I don't think so because that that really, I mean, there was also there's a bit of anti-Semitism going on uh, for them, undoubtedly, um, and I, I for the Labour Party for, for the Labour Party members and or the ex-Labour Party members, and I think they would have left anyway, but I think they've they've just there's this bigger issue um, that's going to take their time for a while, and I can't see them splitting, and at least until. March the 30th or 11.01 on March 29th. Regardless of actually whether or not, we said this in the last podcast on Monday, regardless of whether or not they've actually done the People's Vote campaign um, a disservice, you know, but if they've actually damaged the cause of of getting a second second referendum by doing this... I'm sure um, they have. I'm sure they have. I I, I think so too. Um, Okay, predictions. Do you think there'll be a new party by the end of the year? That's what Chuka said, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think that's probably because he wants to be leader of this new party. Um, that's not for him to say. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I think I think there will be. I think there will be. But just just going back to what we just said about Brexit, I actually, it's almost a bit of a shame that Brexit is overshadowing this because the Labour Party has such an issue with anti-Semitism at the moment, and it's well, and having the people that it has at the top of the party. Exactly, anti-Semitism is just one factor. In that, but it, it? but it's 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 pretty huge. Oh, it is, um, and it's it, you know the, the, these these Labour MPs have got together and they've formed their, their little group, and for a couple of days at least it was all about anti-Semitism. Yes, they were all reminders, but it was all about anti-Semitism, and the fact that these Tory MPs have joined them has kind of overshadowed that a yeah. little bit, I think, and and it's a shame because the Labour Party needs to sort itself out. You know, you the the, the fact that in twenty nineteen. I nearly said 2018. In 2019, the, the, you know, the, one of the major political parties in the UK has an issue with anti-Semitism. It's just it's un- unbelievable. If you'd have told me that, so three or four years ago, that in yeah, in a few years' time, the Labour Party will have a massive crisis about anti-Semitism, I'd have just laughed at you. But it's just it's, like, well, okay, no, maybe maybe a little bit before that because Jeremy Corbyn. Well, okay, so, yeah, 2015. So, okay, so <laughs> if, in, if, in 20, if in 2014 you just said that, I was thinking about yes. you know, before before Corbyn and before it's momentum. surprising how long he's been the leader now. Actually, isn't it? it time kind of marches on with this. Uh, I know. I I completely agree. Um, as I said in the last podcast, um, this is what I thought would happen if Jeremy Corbyn became leader. That they would just be a, split. Lot, a lot sooner, I think. I thought it would be a lot sooner. Um, I respected those 
And I, I remember saying to you at the time, I, I really respected those Labour MPs that immediately quit the shadow cabinet. They didn't... <laughs> Chukwamuna was not one of these. Chukwamuna waited to be fired. He, he, he sat there, said, no, not moving. Got called into a meeting uh, a few days later and then went, yeah, I'm not the shadow business secretary anymore. What's that about? But that was it. Was it was months? I think after, wasn't it? it well, was, whenever it was, whenever, it was, whenever there was a reshuffle, whenever he, yeah, yeah. whenever he started. No, I mean, I mean he was in that position for a long time. Um, yes. when a lot of others had quit. Yeah. Whereas um, uh, others like um, Yvette Cooper, I mean, although she ran for the leadership, she wasn't the only one that immediately said, and "That's it. I'm, I'm you know, back oh, yeah. to the back to the back benches, hoping that there'd be enough of a movement to, to you know." Voiced him out. Well, so I, I, years I, later. Now. I, yeah, I mean, I expected there to be a movement uh, a lot quicker. Uh, but then again, when when they when eighty percent of Labour MPs voted no confidence in Jeremy Corbyn, I thought, well, now now's the time. Surely now it's been you had long enough. You had long enough to prepare. Surely you must be able to at least some of you split off because the, the way that the Labour Party has its rules, it's actually not very easy to get rid of a leader. Not like it is a Conservative Party. Yes. I mean, it's it's difficult. It's difficult for the Conservative Party now because we're only allowed to have this kind of no-confidence vote once every year or once every 12 months. Yes. But it's always hard to get rid of a, a Labour MP. So these, these no-confidence votes mean nothing in Labour. So I remember thinking at the time, you know, technically this means nothing, but surely you must have enough members among you to, to, you know, to, to split off a little bit, you know, maybe 20 or 30 MPs. And yeah. I expected at the time for, you know, for, for at least some of them to break up and have a... a so doesn't that just say that this is more about Brexit than any of it? Yeah, of course it does. And that's a real shame, isn't it? It is. is. As as you said, there are some really serious reasons why the Labour Party is in trouble at the moment um, and why it should be a serious political force. Um, And and doesn't really really show any signs of addressing this either. No. So that, yeah. You don't think that John McDonald's mammoth listening exercise is going to do any good then? No. Yeah. I don't think so. I think he's just paying lip service to it. Their actions speak louder. Um, they've They've done nothing. Yeah. I, I don't think they can do anything. Um, Should we wrap this up? Yeah, I I think we could we could sit here and we could continue making predictions. Uh, God knows how many of them would end up being um, being true. We we try not to make this specifically a political podcast, but there are events of the day that sometimes we just have well, to been get two events this chest. week. And there's been two events this week, culminating in now eleven members of parliament that are. A, a, a larger group than the Lib Dems and a polling larger than the Lib Dems. So it's so it's big news. And what we're interested in is the role of government. And the party political system has a, a very large say in the role of our government and how, uh, how governments are elected and how governments run and how governments can pass law. And Brexit is a big part of whether or not that's going to happen, uh, whether it's going to change as well. Uh, so that's why we talk about it. Um, it's been a really interesting week so far. And who knows what will happen in the next so two days. We'll probably record another podcast in a, in a couple of days if somebody else resigns or, or whatever. Certainly if there are big changes afoot. Uh, so thanks very much for listening. See you next time.